And that's what we should do. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice in that day for so persecuted that the prophets that were before you leap for joy. And it says to do good to those who despitefully use us. Do them good. And the reason for that is persecution is good for us because it makes our roots go in deep. Mm, Not only yep. that, Romans 8, 28 says, whatever happens, God will work out for your good anyway. Amen. And so it makes us grow. Not that I ever want persecution, not that I want tribulation and temptation, but I've got to yeah. admit, in years past, when I've gone through rotten things, that's when I've drawn closer to the Lord. That's when I've dropped to my knees. That's well, and, and we have forerunners in that regard, right? I mean, you think of... There's even more than that. Yeah, <laughs> Even though we don't want to admit it, the best thing that could happen to the American church would be persecution Amen. because it will purify us and have us doing what we're supposed to be doing. So this morning, I open up my Facebook page, and one of the first things I see is an item about persecution going on in India. And I think one of the first emotions that I experienced was uh, one of almost... Grief because of how so little we think about this and how so often it's mm. going on. You know, it's an item that got my attention, but it's not like uh, it's not happening, right? It's like waves crashing on the beach. You may walk away and not be hearing them, but it, it, it keeps going on, That's good. you know. So, guys, I want to talk about that today. Um, it, it is, you know, our, our problem here is my latte was not as hot as I wanted it to be, even though Oscar quit drinking coffee but then started again. Traded. Is that nice to do, Oscar? Uh, I enjoy it thoroughly. <laughs> you are that coffee snob guy. I uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you sent me a video once. Of All like, of you guys. Then you you like you put the temperature at a certain. One hundred eighty-seven degrees Fahrenheit. Oh my! You, what happens when it's one hundred eighty-six? Uh, well, it's just it's too hot or too cold. Oh. It doesn't it doesn't ferment. The you meat. really recognize one degree ferment? I probably wouldn't recognize one degree. It's one eighty seven. You drink fermented beans? I think the beans are fermented, aren't they? Well, Roasted? Terrible. No. Well, I've just I think this is so great. It's about persecution. <laughs> now we're My whole point, right? <laughs> but but you know seriously though, here Ray in America, we have no clue what persecution is. Uh, I mean, we're blessed. Yeah. And and so often, I think our problem is 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 that we don't use that non persecuted atmosphere that we have for the mm-hmm. sake of the gospel the mm-hmm. way we should. You know, there's believers in other parts of the world. Remember, Mark, a long time ago, there was, there was someone from a ministry that talked about how this guy would sell his blood in order to to be able to raise money to go and to share the gospel. I think it was wow. Yeah. I, I do not remember that, but I, I'm not surprised. And we're just kind of blinded to that because out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. You know, I often think of the, the uh, verse from a song about 200 years ago, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Hmm. We have an incredible liberty in this country, and yet we're not taking advantage of it, as yeah. we should. Every Christian should be zealous to reach the lost in any way he can, but we don't. When persecution comes, they will probably be scattered everywhere preaching the word, as happened in the book of Acts. Oh, we need to have that mentality right now. While we have liberty, <clears throat> let's share the gospel uh, and thank God for the liberty. Yeah, I think we're, we are way too comfortable in our uh, American Christian freedoms to truly recognize and appreciate the opportunity that we have to proclaim the gospel and, on top of that, to pray for those who are a part of the persecuted church. Yeah. I love certain ministries like Voice of the Martyrs that do mm-hmm. a really good job of keeping those 
on our forefront of our minds so that we can pray. Because those are our brothers and sisters that are overseas suffering for their faith. And that should encourage and edify ours. Yeah, years ago, we worked with a ministry called Open Doors USA. If you remember, we had had done some different things with them. And yeah, it was, again, that that eye-opening reminder of, man, persecution is intense. In fact, we're told that there's more persecution against the church today than all the centuries combined, yeah. you know, in, in more recent times or modern times. Um, Ray, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Oh, thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> How did I know that would be the response? But that ties into this, right? I think of your book with Stephen on the cover being stoned. Talk about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. The, the thief on the cross, um, he was suffering like we wouldn't believe and turned to Christ in repentance and in contrition. And once he put his faith in Jesus, that was the beginning of his wonderful new life in Christ where the soldiers come and broke his legs. I broke my arm when I was about 11 years old, and it hurt so much I couldn't cry. I remember that, that feeling. It was just horrific. Mm. Imagine having your legs broken and then you're suffocating to death. The promise for Christians is not a smooth flight. It's a safe landing, and we forget that. With the prosperity gospel, things will go better with Jesus. Uh, but they don't. I, I, I so identify with some comments I see where people say, I became a Christian and things got worse. And that's because you're now fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil, mm-hmm. which you didn't fight before. You live for, for the world, the flesh, and the devil, but now you're fighting against it. So uh, sin is like a, a guy who says, I have no problem with cigarettes, I smoke 40 a day. Well, try and stop. And then you have the problem with cigarettes. And when you, when you try and stop sinning and try and go against the world, flesh and the devil, then you get your persecution. All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And if there's no persecution towards us, it may be because we're not living godly in Christ Jesus. That's good. Well, you know, the beautiful thing about that scripture even is it says all those who desire... So you don't even have to be living godly, but if you even desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, What's the persecution the is going to come. But Jesus, as to Ray's point, Jesus never promised that things were going to become easier if we become a Christian. Listen to this in Mark chapter 13 and in Matthew 10. It says, Brother will deliver brother to death, his father, his child, and the children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death, and that all men will hate you because of my namesake. That doesn't sound promising. Right. I mean, can you imagine that people are hating you because you're a Christian. For one reason, you're a Christian. You claim to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. We saw 21 Coptic Christians beheaded recently because they claim the name of Christ. Not even the fact that they were Christians. That's irrelevant. But they're claiming to be a Christian, so they're, they're beheaded there uh, on the beaches. And, and that is an extreme thing when you begin mm-hmm. to think about it. People think, well, Christianity is a bit of a crutch. Well, yeah, no, it's a, bit, it's, it's a hospital. It's an entire hospital. You know, right inside your teaching you know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life in the book, which is such an easy read. I highly recommend it. But you talk about, imagine if you were commissioned to preach the gospel the night before 9-11. And your message is the gospel, right? Now, the gospel doesn't change, so therefore your message shouldn't change, even though you might be aware of the fate of these people that are supposed to die within 24 hours, some of these are going to fall on the unforgiving sidewalks in New York. Others are going to be left within the building, and they're going to collapse with it to where their bodies are going to be so unrecognizable that you won't even be able to tell if that was even an individual. Well, what is your message going to be? 
Well, if it's the gospel, then it doesn't change. It's the life, death, burial, resurrection of the king of kings. And when you start talking about persecution, you're absolutely right. We here in America don't really know what it's like to be persecuted. Mm -hmm. But there is still a call from Christ for us to count the cost because trials, tribulation, persecution, temptation, and suffering, these five things really await those who call on the name of Jesus. Yeah, and I think I think it's important to recognize what we experience in our day because someone might argue, well, you know, I, I certainly feel a lot of um, hatred for my faith in in America, and while we might look overseas and see people being headed, be, being beheaded, and children being taken in the middle of the night from their Christian schools um, for being Christian. What, what do we call what we experience here for proclaiming the gospel? And I like, to, I like to put it as like we are experiencing a social pressure that is a form of persecution, but maybe not outright persecution like what we see in, in Afghanistan uh, in parts of Asia and Africa. And that social pressure is the realization that we're living in a time in which here in the States, many view our faith as um, bigoted, um, backwards thinking and is is holding back American culture. And so like I give this example because we do want to recognize that we face a pressure in America today, right? So I give this example. When I first uh, started getting job interviews um, as a young teenager, if you were, I wasn't a Christian back then, but if, if you were to say, or if somebody were to ask you in that interview, hey, what do you do on your weekends? And you were to say something like, well, I, uh, I go to church. Um, I regularly, you know, participate in the setup and teardown of my, uh, of, of church and I lead a youth group. And so I spend most of my time volunteering at my church. 15, 20 years ago, even if the person interviewing you was not a Christian, they would still analyze that answer as, well, you know, he's probably morally outstanding. Mm-hmm. He sounds like he has strong ethics and he's giving back to his community. That's a plus. If you were to say that today, not all places, but some places, if you were to say that today, they might have to ask, is this person going to be a moral hazard in our workplace? Is this going to be a problem for us later? And so it's just important for us to recognize that our faith will at times make us stand out and rub against the grain, which is what your book is all about. And I think it's really important to understand what the early church faced for its social pressure, which would eventually become outright persecution, and why. And so let me just get into this real quickly. Larry Hurtado, Christian historian, pointed out four things that people um, were persecuted for in the early church. First, the early Christians were uniquely monotheistic which was unusual in Rome and Asia Minor. They believed that there was one true God uh, alone, and they refused to worship or bow down. That even went into the political atmosphere. They did not play the political game. Secondly, uh, the early church was radically transcultural or diverse to the point where it made people uncomfortable. Second and third, or third and fourth, the early church was radically committed to its sacred text. The authority of the word of God made them stand out as as, un, as unusual. And lastly was their Christian ethic on sexuality, on morals, 
on loving their neighbor. These four things made them stand out. And those are the same four things that should make us stand out. We should accept the social pressure. Those in other parts of the world should accept the persecution for standing out for those four things. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and the podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. Yeah, that's, that's good, Oscar. You know, Rachel and I were talking the other day about how you know we're living amid such a snowflake culture these days you know where young people can't handle uh difficulties and and people disagreeing with them and this is kind of being passed down you know and each generation is weakened i'm thinking you know even if when you see nations that become great empire or you know become heads of great empires that was often accomplished by people like shedding their blood mm-hmm. and dying. I mean, we talk about America and the great liberties we experience, but but that wasn't free. I think of the World War II memorial in D.C., which is so powerful. It has all these stars affixed to the wall, and each of them represents 10,000 lives given in World War II. And it says, here we mark the price of freedom. Hmm. And I think about the church, you know, when, when there's a new, like, empire birth, going back to that analogy, people gave their lives, they gave their blood, they were, they were hardened by, by war and they were used to it. But then you get far from that and those that now experience the benefits of that, right? The, the, the affluence and the luxury and the comfort, they begin to become weakened. And often you see those empires destroyed, usually they even go in the way of decadence, right? Like Rome, Greece, they began to indulge in debauchery and, yeah. and sexual morality. And I think like it's so important for the church today to be reminded of the price paid and the reality of persecution so that we're ready for it. Yeah. You know, like training our kids up, and we're gonna be talking about that in one of the podcasts, but training our kids up to be ready for that. I think of different countries that have mandatory military service. You guys know, I, I almost got drafted twice in Lebanon when I went back to visit, because I wasn't a US citizen yet. And you have to serve like a year and a half, this was back in the day, but Israel does the same thing. Yeah. It's like they're keeping their nation ready for war Mm -hmm. if it arises. And I think we have to somehow get this next generation to understand that persecution can hit at any time. And we're seeing the signs of it. I would um, be very interested to see how police officers are prepared for duty. If they are sat down and says, guys, marvel not if the world hates you. Hmm. I'm sure they would say something like that because... Uh People that get into crime hate the badge and your, your authority you carry. And you can be shot. You can be persecuted because of what you stand for. And Jesus said, marvel not if the world hates you. We've got to be ready for that mentality. I remember I used to um, have a Facebook page with literally thousands of atheists on it. And I befriended thousands of atheists. But I had to remind myself, these guys 
love the darkness and hate the light. Yeah. Their hatred is genuine. Mm. And if they could get their heel into your neck, they would certainly do it because we're such a threat to everything. They find pleasure in everything. Yeah. Wow. And uh, anti-science, anti-pleasure, anti-liberation, sexual liberation, etc. And so they really do hate us. So we're not to marvel if the world hates us. We've got to mm. be ready for it. And, and I've just, just got to say, we're so programmed for acceptance. We so want people yeah. to love us and accept yeah. us. And we hate rejection. And this is against everything that's in us. But we've got to have the mentality that those police officers aren't hated for who they are personally, but for what they stand for. Yeah. And we're hated for his name's sake. That's, that's, good. Why. Wow. that's actually really important because often, Oftentimes, we will use the phrase persecution to make excuse for for our sin. So, like, there's one particular person I have in mind that I, I used to go to church with. His name is <laughs> Brian Smith Schmark Fence, and uh, <laughs> and uh, no, but this person's online. And honestly, he because uh, I'm still friends with them from an old church. He is he just he name calls. Uh, he often gets in these huge political arguments. Um, he's very disrespectful towards people. And whenever somebody challenges him on social media, he's like, oh, I'm being persecuted. It's like, no, man, you're just not being very kind. And obnoxious. People are calling obnoxious. Yes. He's being obnoxious and people are calling him out for it. You know, if you're going to be persecuted, be persecuted for the right reasons. Don't use that as a facade for your ego. Yeah, you know, that reminds me of First Peter 4.15, it says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. I mean, how foreign is that to, to our modern thinking? Yeah. Mark, you were going to say something. Well, remember the first words that uh, the Apostle Paul, when his name was Saul, that he received in Acts chapter 9. Um, it was, go and tell him what a great life that he's going to have, <laughs> right? I mean, that's not what Acts 9 yeah. says, right? It says, go tell him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake, mm. and that he was going to be a voice to the Gentiles and go before kings. I, I think that if we include counting the cost, uh, especially in the days to come as part of our gospel proclamation, it's, it's a warning to people. So they're not taken off guard yeah. as to what happens to them, as if some strange thing is happening to them. We need to put out a Fox's Book of Martyrs with a sinner's prayer at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and you think about Acts 14.22, it says, you know, the apostles, it says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, <clears throat> and saying, we must, through many tribulations, mm. enter the kingdom of God. This is what I'm talking about, that reminder, hey, through many tribulations, you're going to enter the kingdom of God. And this is not foreign to what even Jesus said. John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Yeah. And the way modern Christianity acts, it's as if though these things aren't even in scripture. You know, it's, yeah, everything's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. And you get this whole, it's the whole parachute yeah. illustration, right? Yeah. yeah. I think also we, we have to look... Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to quote no, John Stott. Have you heard of worst. John Stott? Um, rhymes with Schmann. No, no, be careful. Um, John Stott was the Queen's chaplain many years ago. I used to listen to audio tapes. Very, very sound, I think. Anyway, he said this persecution is simply the clash between two irreconcilable irre value systems. And that, that really sums it up. You've got the world and you've got the kingdom of God, and they don't mix. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oil and water, and what we've got to do is hate the world, 
don't love the world and realize it's an abomination to God. It's a, it's a river that's flowing down that we've got out of and we're going upstream and the world's gonna hate us for it. Yeah, I, think we, I think it's valuable for us to look to Jesus um, as someone who has been persecuted uh, and be able to understand how, how he responded in the midst of his ultimate persecution for our sins. And he wasn't getting you know, whipped with a cat of nine tails. He wasn't being um, hung on a cross, sitting there yelling and screaming at the Romans going, how dare you take Israel from me? How, you know, he wasn't arguing or fighting with them. He was um, putting on display uh, his act of sacrifice for their sake, inviting them into his kingdom through the forgiveness because he was taken on the full wrath of God. And so I think when we are being persecuted, we need to take on that same type of posture that these people who are declaring themselves enemies, um, they are enemies, but we are inviting them in the midst of that into his kingdom through his work on the cross. So what are we to do in the midst of persecution? Easy, have you been persecuted? Seriously? Uh, man, I, you know, to Oscar's point earlier, I think that it is important to acknowledge that just because we're not being pelted with stones or tortured in a jail cell or whatever, that it doesn't mean we don't ever go through any type of persecution. But at the same time, like, <laughs> I think, have I really been through persecution? Sure, have I had people uh, get riled up because I'm preaching the gospel or treat me in certain ways because of Christ? Yeah, I have. And it, to me, is a reminder that it, it can get a lot worse. Yeah. But, you know, are we willing to enduring the easier stuff. I mean, you think of like Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. We typically call them by their pagan names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But you think about what they went through, right? They're standing in front of the most powerful man on the planet, and he's basically telling them, look, you either bow or you mm. fry. It's simple. And they look at him and they say, um, we have no need to answer you concerning this matter, O king. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, let it be known to you that we won't bow down. We're not going to worship your gods. But you have to remember, they had a previous trial before that, right? When they were in the king's, in the king's palace, right? Taken as the, all the, the fine young noblemen of Judah, they were taken in, right, to Nebuchadnezzar's court. And they were prescribed a certain diet. And Daniel was their, really their spokesman, but they... He, they were unwilling to, to eat the king's delicacies, right? Nor to, to drink the wine which he drank. It says, Daniel purposed in his heart, kind of as their representative, that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. And what ends up happening, right? God gives them favor, and they're like 10 times ahead of all the other youth that did compromise. But they were willing to be faithful there in the midst of that, that trial. And then when they stood before the king on the big one, they were ready. It's like predetermined commitment to God. You know, it's mm. so good, it's easy. Um, it's so good to also have an understanding of God's word that the good soil hearer and the parable of the sower is he who hears and understands. And when trials and tribulations and temptations, persecutions come, the genuine convert sends his roots deep into God's word. The false convert withers and dies. The mm. stony ground hearer, thorny yeah. ground hearer. So the sunlight is persecution, tribulation, and temptation. So when a genuine Christian comes under persecution or he's thrown into a lion's den, he doesn't shake his fist at God, he drops to his knees. Wow. And that's because of the fact that if you are genuinely in Christ, your roots will want to go deeper. And I know when I get persecuted in any way, and I have had not severe persecution, but I remember 
um, one of the most grievous things that happened to me was years ago, an atheist got a, made a meme with a picture of me and a, a so-called quote from me. Do you remember that? The quote says, if God told me to, oh, I'd yeah. sacrifice oh, my I children. And it went all over the internet and on my Facebook page got inundated with atheists saying, you wicked person, you do that to your children. And what happened is the atheist- and for the record, you've only sacrificed one of your children. <laughs> That's true. Daniel Comfort, <laughs> yeah. bless his soul. He, he, he sacrificed his daughter, Rachel, to an Arab. <laughs> right. But anyway, the same atheist got the police to come around home. Ron called me from the ministry, said the police have just been here, they want to know where you live. And so they came around home because he had told them I was going to sacrifice my kids. And the police come and they said, where's your kids? I said, they're home with their own kids. <laughs> and they look, what? I see you come in and I'll show you my Facebook page. It was called Atheist Central and all these nasty atheists and they just laughed and left. And so the way I reacted to that, our lawyers found out who he was where he lived, his address, and so I sent him a gift basket. Nice. And that's what we should do. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice in that day, for so persecuted that the prophets that before you leap for joy. And it says to do good to those who despitefully use us. Do them good. And the reason for that is persecution is good for us because it makes our roots go in deep. Mm, Not only yep. that, Romans 8, 28 says, whatever happens, God will work out for your good anyway. Amen. And so it makes us grow. Not that I ever want persecution. Not that I want tribulation and temptation. But I've got to yeah. admit... In years past, when I've gone through rotten things, that's when I've drawn closer to the Lord. That's when I've dropped to my knees. That's well, and, and we have forerunners in that regard, right? I mean, you think of... There's even more than that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you think of, you think of uh, Stephen. He's being stoned to death. And what right. says cry? God, don't charge them with this mm. wrong. But who was he following? Jesus, right? Yeah. Father, forgive them, for they know not what right. they do. It's that heart, you know? And... And Ray, I think of Acts 5.41 uh, when the apostles were being persecuted and it says, so they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Yeah. I mean, rejoicing that they were counted worthy. I mean, that outlook and perspective is... And we forget something here about the grace of God or the, when I say grace, I mean his help in certain situations. I don't know if I've mentioned before, a buddy of mine was open-air preaching where I open-air preached in Christchurch in Cathedral Square many years ago. I was late when I arrived. There was a group of peace marchers marching around and proclaiming peace. And uh, my friend Wally was preaching and they came up to him as a group and they stopped him preaching. And I just thought, how... Dear, there was a sense of indignation welled up within me and I jumped over here and began preaching. They left Wally and ran across to me and shut me up. When they shut me up, Wally burst into flames. <laughs> and really, you don't know the Holy Spirit dwells within you until some winds of adversity try and put him out and wind causes it to, to burst yeah. into flames. And that's exactly what happens in persecution. So even though we don't want to admit it, the best thing that could happen to the American church would be persecution Amen. because it will purify us and have us doing what we're supposed to be doing. Amen. Yeah. yeah, even Paul talked about in Philippians how uh, his chains emboldened other believers to preach Isn't that weird when you think about it? I mean, <laughs> uh, seriously, if someone took Oscar or you or threw you into prison, would that make me more zealous? And I think it would. Just right. the attitude yeah. like, how dare they yeah. try and stop? We've got the message of everlasting life and it emboldens you. Yeah, well, you mentioned earlier in Acts where they were scattered everywhere preaching the gospel. Yes. You know, after persecution had James had been killed and you know, different things going on, but yeah. yeah. And naturally, you'd think that all back away and hide, but it doesn't happen because the Holy Spirit dwells within us mm -hmm. to embolden us. Amen. Mm -hmm. David Garland, in explaining his imprisonment, the Apostle Paul subtly notifies uh, his readers that proclaiming the mystery 
of Christ crucified is more likely to open the doors to a prison cell for them instead of the door to financial and social success. And we start talking about how becoming a Christian is going to make it difficult here in life, but not only life, but even in our deaths, quite possibly. Mm. We consider how uh, the fates of the apostles, quite unusual deaths, right? We have Philip was crucified, Andrew was crucified, Peter was crucified, upside down. Matthew was beheaded, Barnabas was burned to death, Mark was dragged to death, James the Less was clubbed to death, Paul was beheaded, Thomas was speared to death, and Luke was hanged. And it doesn't stop there, right? We have Stephen, uh, the first Christian martyr, was stoned to death, one in which my first son's middle name was named after Stephen, mm-hmm. right? We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future, and we need not fear the future even as a Christian, we can mock the storm in the midst of the storm because we know the weatherman. Mm-hmm. We know what the future holds because we've read the last chapter of the Bible. Revelation tells us what the end is going to be like. So we can withstand all the things that are happening now and not be moved. And I try to take Romans eight twenty eight even a step further mm-hmm. uh, with myself and with my kids. When, we say, when it says, all things work together for our good, I try to take it even a step further to where it could be, not only do all things work together for good, but there's no such thing as bad news. And I understand that there's horrific things, but if you were to look at everything that happens inside of our lives can be ordained by God to be used to chisel us to be that workmanship that God has preordained, then we can take it a little bit lighter. We have our wayward child's rebellion. We have our spouse's infidelity. We have financial woes. We have physical hardship. But we know in whom it gives to us. And when God brings those things our ways, we realize that it is for ultimately our good Hmm. because we do not want our roots to go down deep here on earth. We want God to be glorified at all costs, no matter the cost. So since January 94, my prayer has been simply this. God, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how much I kick and scream, I don't want to be out of your will. You do whatever you need to do to glorify yourself through me. Hmm. That's good. There's a, I think it's important to remember, um, because I have to imagine that person who's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm losing my job. I'm, I'm being you know, a social outcast. It's putting a strain on my family. How, how is this for my good? How am I... How am I to trust that he's working all things out in the midst of the worst of worst days? In the midst of all that, I think it's important to remember how God went before us and loved us. And I gave this illustration in a sermon, which is years ago, there was this king uh, of Britain who um, fell in love with an American woman. And the, the British church and the royal family decided that this woman was not allowed to be queen. And so this king... Because she was a divorced woman. She was a divorced American woman. Mm. And so this king abdicated the throne for her because he loved her that much. He was the king of Great Britain. He had all the money. He had all the praise of men. He had all the power. And he gave all of that up for this American twice-divorced woman. Can you imagine being loved that much. Hmm. Can you imagine being loved in such a way that somebody would give everything up for you? Well, you have. Because Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he laid down his crown to be persecuted, to be mocked, to be killed 
for you, for his bride. And in the book of Revelation, we read these love letters from a husband, Jesus, to his bride, the church. And those love letters make a promise that he's coming back to rescue her from all of this persecution. Mm -hmm. And so in the midst of it all, we can look to our king, our savior, and know that he first loved us and that he has made a promise to rescue us from all of it. Amen. And again, we have him as our forerunner in that. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And now he's become our joy. And like Mm. you said, he's coming back for us. Mm. But, you know, scriptural language, the way scripture phrases things, I think is so important for us to pay attention to. You think of what it says in Philippians 1, 29. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. I mean, you think of that word granted. When you say granted, that's like, oh man, I was granted entry. You know, I was granted forgiveness. It's Hmm. like a good positive thing. For you, it's been granted not only to believe in him, but to also suffer for his sake. Like this is, this is something that God gives, you know, uh, to his children. And, and we need to ask ourselves then in connection with that, what do we do? So, as persecution will come our way, I believe eventually here in America with the way things are trending, you think of 1 Peter 4.19, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. It's the committing of our souls to the Lord, remembering his faithfulness and, and understanding when we suffer, he allows it. Mm-hmm. And it's for his glory. Can I, sorry, Mark, you go first. No, no you're more I, important than me. I yeah, no, my what I, what I, Something um, that makes me smile every time I think of it, where Jesus said in Luke 6, to leap for joy. I actually physically do that. <laughs> I was so, going to tell you to, to tell us about Yeah, that. blessed are you when men revile and persecute and shall men of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice in the day, persecute the prophets, and leap for joy. And we tend to go over that, but I, I really do go somewhere where nobody's looking, and I leap as high as I can. It's usually about six inches off the ground. Not because, that high. Yeah, well, four inches you off the ground. You clear your toes? That's impressive. But it makes me laugh because it reminds me of the first time I ever did that. It was in my office. Mm. Um, something horrible had happened. I can't remember what it was, maybe that police incident. But I did. I said, Lord, your word says to leap for joy, so I'm doing it. And I leapt for joy. And as I hit the ground, someone knocked on the door, opened it up and said, someone's just given the ministry $20,000. And I thought, I wish I leapt higher. (laughs) (laughs) But it always reminds me, and it does make you smile when you do that. So if you're persecuted, do what Jesus said to do. Yeah. Mark? Yeah, just one final thought. I mean, there's so much we can talk about here. I just want to give one final thought on my behalf. Uh, We often hear Christian parents say, I don't want my child to become a missionary because they can get hurt. Uh, They uh, get persecuted, it's not safe, they could even die. Mm. But we have to have a bigger view of of God. And God has preordained our days before there's even one of them. Mm. And the safest place to be is the center of God's will. So whether that is in the belly of the well, the heart of Compton, or on Space Mountain at Disneyland, we have to remember (laughs) that the best place to be is where God has planted you. And the book of Acts tells us that God has put us in our place where we live, in the time and where we live, so that we grope for him and that we yearn for him, though he's not far from any one of us. And he has done that for a purpose. And our insurance plan is seriously out of this world. And not one hair can fall from our head unless God says, perfect, let's do it. One thing that that Ray, by the way, 
didn't tell you guys when he uh, when that atheist said that he uh, was going to sacrifice his kids is that gift basket that he sent that atheist was had an altar and a knife in it. <laughs> <laughs> dear, oh dear. Oh, you had us biting us. Mark, when you mentioned those three terrible things, Compton, what was the other thing, Space Mountain? That's three terrifying things, is that what you're referring to? Well, no, to? I mean... Space Mountain, is that a blessing or a curse? No. Me on Space Mountain, I'll be screaming, man. I'll say, I want to get off. Yeah, right. So, yeah, so it was a good illustration. Life is like a roller coaster. That's right. Go? Oh, I don't know. Oh, yes, it starts off with, this is exciting, and you come down the other side saying, oh, I want to get off, I want to get off. <laughs> that over the hill is about 40 years old. So easy, what were you going to say? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I want to wrap it up with just one reminder for all of us, and that is Hebrews 13.3. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, mm. those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. I started the podcast by talking about what I saw on my Facebook page this morning, and I think we should really be determined to make it a part of our daily routine to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters. Uh, I don't do that. It is on my prayer list. I have a really long prayer list. I don't always get to everything on there. But I do want to make it a habit, you know, to, to be united with my brothers and sisters in Christ who are persecuted. God works through our prayers. And sometimes I think we demonstrate our lack of faith kind of like the, the disciples did when Peter came to the door after they were praying for his release from prison. And, right? They thought the servant girl had gone mad or, you know, <laughs> maybe it was his angel or something. But you know, we need to trust that God does work through our prayers. We don't just pray so that we can kind of, you know, make our conscience at ease, but we pray so that God would move mm. through our prayers for His glory. He does that in a, in a mysteriously divine way that we can't understand. But let's do that. Let's, let's pray as if though we're chained with them. That's good. Like we're in prison with them. That should be our heart's uh, attitude and disposition while we're crying out to God on their behalf. And I think uh, you know we're, we're going to see God do things through that and also keep us mindful of perhaps our own persecution and make us ready for it, like I talked about, so that uh, when it does come in, in whatever form, we're ready, not just to endure in, in kind of a sort of let's survive this sense, but that we can be proactive to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and Stephen, to pray for our persecutors, to love them, for the sake of the gospel and to be a light for his truth. Mm. So on that note, friends, thank you for listening today. Livingwaters.com, we're here to equip you to be ready to preach the gospel if persecution should hit, when persecution hits, and that you can do it effectively. So make sure to go to livingwaters.com. Check out all of our videos there that are connected to our YouTube channel, which uh, is coming up on a million subscribers. Hard to believe. Uh, coming up close to also 200 million views as well. So uh, use those videos to be inspired, equipped, share those with others, and uh, let God use you. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, 
Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters podcast.